My name is Dulce Valencia and welcome to Telenovelas con Dulce, the podcast where each week I guide you through the dramatic world of telenovelas, covering everything from the plot, the insults, the secret twins, and the unforgettable love stories in between. This is a podcast made for telenovela lovers just like me. Bienvenidos and welcome back to Telenovelas con Dulce, the podcast where each week I guide you through the world of telenovelas. On this episode, I'm very excited to talk to you all about one of my personal favorite telenovelas of all time. That is right, today we're going to be covering Pasión. Yay! But before we get started, remember that coming up, I'm going to be covering some great telenovelas, including El Dragón, La Madrastra, Senda Prohibida, Te Sigo Amando, and more. So if you have any comments, any thoughts that you want me to know about, feel free to leave me a comment. (laughs) I don't know. Uh, yeah, just let me know. Let me know. And without further ado, let's just go ahead and get started. Pasión was a 2007 telenovela produced for Televisa by Carla Estrada, the one, the only, the wonderful producer who's known for so many great hits like Quinceañera, El Privilegio de Amar, Amor Real, and obviously Pasión, my personal favorite. This telenovela features Susana Gonzalez and Fernando Colunga as the protagonists and tells the love story between Camila Darien and El Antillano, a pirate who meets her when she is kidnapped and sold into slavery, and together they will live out a wonderful, wonderful love story full of Pasión. Pasión was an original telenovela written by Maria Saratini and directed by Monica Miguel. That means we had three women at the head of this production, which maybe is why this telenovela is one of the best, in my opinion. It was Carla Estrada's fourth historical telenovela, and at the at this point in time, it was her most ambitious and, and expensive production. The other historical telenovelas that she's done are, of course, Alondra, Alborada, Amor Real, and Pasión. This, in addition to being Carla Estrada's fourth historical telenovela, was also Fernando Colunga's third time collaborating with Carla Estrada on a historical telenovela. He was also the protagonist for Alborada and Amor Real. There was also a book written and published by Carla Estrada that details the behind the scenes and the making of this telenovela. It became a bestseller and is actually the first ever book that chronicles the behind the scenes of a telenovela. You can find it on Mercado Libre, which is like Mexico's version of Amazon, and I am in pursuit of it, and next time I'm in Mexico, I'm going to get this for myself. The intro of this telenovela was done in one take, and there's a great behind-the-scenes footage video of this on YouTube that shows just how difficult and complicated it was to film. If you watch the telenovela, the intro is just one long shot, features a lot of um, basically every actor involved in this production. It also features, um, it sets up the the relationships and a lot of the plot lines that are going to happen in the telenovela and also features a lot of costume changes. It was very much a technical challenge. Uh, they tried filming this multiple times, never truly getting it right, but at the end they were able to get it right and it, in my opinion, is one of the most beautiful 
intros for a telenovela. And this idea actually came from Carla Estrada's son, Carlos Lopez Estrada, who played Claudio in the telenovela and has now gone on to become a really successful and just wonderful filmmaker in Hollywood. The filming, as I mentioned, was so complex that they didn't stop filming until Susana Gonzalez ended up injuring her ankle. The theme song of this telenovela was an original song performed by Sarah Brightman and Fernando Lima called Pasión. It is beautiful. Uh, this telenovela was also a family affair for Carla Estrada. I mentioned that Carlos Lopez Estrada played the character of Claudio in the telenovela, but also Carla Estrada's mother, an acclaimed actress named Mati Huitron, was also in this telenovela. She portrayed Lisabetta's aunt, Francisca, and mm, she did an incredible job, but it's, it was also the first time that Carla Estrada uh, worked with her mother on a production, which is just... So wonderful, and I didn't know this watching for the first time. Uh, this telenovela is also, I think, the only telenovela to feature three of Televisa's like great leading actors. And by that, I mean it features not only Fernando Colunga in a protagonist role, but it also has Sebastián Rulli playing kind of like his rival in the telenovela, as well as William Levy, whom we all know went on to have an incredible career. This is actually one of his, I think, one of his first real like leading characters so this kind of launched his career which is so great. Susana Gonzalez and Fernando Colunga were the protagonists of this telenovela. Their chemistry in my opinion is incredible. Years later they went on to do another telenovela together called Pasión y Poder. This telenovela again I can I can talk about this for so long just like on the cast. The cast was incredible. It just had some incredible performers which I'm gonna get a little into towards the end of the, the video because I have like three actors that I really want to shout out because they were so incredible. But overall, just a great, great mix of actors uh, at different levels. And now before we get started on the actual plot of Pasión, we're back with my segment called Guess That Telenovela. Today's, 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 um, today's fact I think is going to be a little more difficult for y'all to to get right. I certainly didn't know about this, but I've been doing a lot of telenovela research. So if you know this, kudos to you. I definitely would not have known this um, just like a year ago. But okay, without further ado, the guess that telenovela fact for this, this video is Maria Felix only acted in one Mexican telenovela. Which one was it? <laughs> Maria Felix only acted in one Mexican telenovela. Which one was it? All right, y'all have. Do you have your guesses? Do you know your answers? The one telenovela Maria Felix acted in was 1970s La Constitución, which was a historical telenovela that showed the history of Mexico through these fictional characters. Um, something I did not know, so now you know. And now we're gonna go back to the show. And we're just gonna go ahead and get started on the plot. I know that I've said that I'm not gonna do like a super in-depth summary, but the way I know this telenovela, I might be going a little more in-depth than I will in other telenovelas, just for the fact that it, it is my favorite. I've rewatched this. I don't know, I've lost track of how many times I've rewatched it, but it's definitely one of those shows that just plays in the background at home and is very much comfort vibes for me. So we're just gonna go ahead and dive into the beginning. So let me set the stage for you. We are in 
I keep saying colonial Mexico, but I don't believe that's the right term. But it's a historical time period in Mexico, the time of damas and caballeros and señores del pueblo. And we are thrown into the setting of San Fernando, a small town where we meet Camila Darien, a young and lively hija del molinero who is just a really good person. And uh, three years ago, she lost her fiancé, who is played by Sebastián Rulli. He left and was lost at sea, and everyone thinks that he is dead and has been telling her, you need to move on. But she still holds, out, holds on to hope that he's going to return. And sure enough, her hope pays off because at the start of the episode, Sebastián Rulli walks in. Uh, Santiago, sorry. He plays Santiago. So he walks in, and he is reunited with Camila and three years have passed, he left, and she was still basically a teenager, and now she's a young lady, and she's like, I waited for you, I never lost hope, and he's like, well, you still have me, and she's like, of course, so they set the date, they're gonna get married, it's beautiful, until there's El Señor del Pueblo, who's the person in charge of everything, and this is Don Jorge de Mancera y Ruiz, played by Juan Ferrara, who uh, has always had an eye for the pretty girls in town, which is a horrible, horrible thing, but there's like the, the privilege of prima nocta, which was this ancient thing that señores or people, kings, could use to basically abuse women, so he invokes it, and so the day before before her wedding, they're having like a party and Don Jorge Mancera Ruiz's guards come and take Camila so that El Señor del Pueblo can have prima nocta privileges. Obviously, no one takes this well. Santiago tries to fight them off, but he is unfortunately stabbed and he is entre el... What is it? Entre el, I never know how to say it in, in English, but it's entre borde de la vida y la muerte. He's basically not doing well at all. So Camila is taken to the, the, the house, the palace, and luckily for her, Don Jorge has been drinking a lot, and so he uh, ends up just falling asleep and unable to take advantage of her. And then he tells Camila, you can leave, but you can't tell anyone what happened. So Camila leaves. She goes back home to find Santiago in a critical state, and she tells everyone, you know, like, nothing happened. And no one believes her. No one in her family believes her. They're like, it's okay. Like, this isn't your fault. But she's like, no, nothing happened. Like, he, he, he fell asleep. He got too drunk. But no one believes her. So she's depressed from that. And also the fact that Santiago is probably going to die. And she goes around walking, gets lost, and then is kidnapped by a group of criminals who kidnap and take her far away from San Fernando. Her family obviously finds out right away and they try to look for her, but they're unable to and everyone believes that she is dead. Unfortunately for her, and I say unfortunately because she goes through a lot and there's like very much a lot of moments where she wishes she were dead, but she is not dead and instead she is taken to El Antillano. So El Antillano is a famous and feared pirate played by Fernando Colunga, who actually used to be a nobleman named Ricardo de Salamanca, uh, but he was framed for murder and he ran away and basically was forced to join um, piracy and he became a pirate. So Camila is taken to El Antillano, who is uh, tasked with transporting a group of slaves to be, or sorry, of people to be sold off 
into slavery. He fights this. He's like, this isn't what I do, but he is forced to do this. Camila on the journey meets Jimena, another young woman who uh, has been kidnapped, as well as a group of of brothers named Claudio and Angel, who uh, have been have been framed by their cousin because they're from a noble family but their cousin has had them basically kidnapped so that the cousin can take over so she is aboard the ship uh, and ends up in la mariana and it is at la mariana where el antillano so kind of you know he looks at her and it's kind of love at first sight for him he's like oh my gosh like i need to help her But unfortunately for him, he trusts someone that he shouldn't be trusting. So he's not only trying to help Camila, but he's also trying to help Claudio and Angel. So he makes a deal with them that he's going to have one of his men buy them off so that he can give them their freedom. But this man pockets the money and does not help them. So then Camila is sold and she is sold to this guy, an older man named Don Timoteo who has a daughter, Elisabetta, and uh, lives also with his sister, Francisca. He intends to leave his fortune to her out of spite for his family because he hates his daughter. Elisabetta is blind, and this is something that, I guess, for him, it's so, so disgraceful. So he hates his family, and, and yeah, he plans on marrying Camila and leaving her all his money. What Camila doesn't know, however, is that this is El Antillano's family. So remember I said that El Antillano came from a noble family? This is them. And he, Don Timoteo, is the one that actually framed framed Ricardo for murder and had him forced into piracy. Fortunately for Camila, Don Timoteo dies shortly after marrying her, but years have passed. So years pass, she is held... Not years, it's like a year, I think. But he marries her, he kind of like... I don't know, it's it's a really weird relationship where he, like, has her educated to become, like, a more high-class society woman, but also he attempts to impregnate her so that she can produce him an heir, but um, he dies before he can, and so Camila is left with the fortune, and under the stipulations of the fortune, she's not allowed to leave any of the money to Lisaveta or Francisca. If she does, she's gonna revert back to being a slave, but what she does is when she leaves, because once it, she has her freedom, she's plans on going back home to San Fernando, she leaves them a chest full of gold coins, um, but doesn't tell them, she just anonymously has it left in their in their house. So she decides to go back home, but not before first um, helping Jimena and Claudio and Angel. So she goes and buys off their freedom. Um, Jimena's uh, Claudio, unfortunately, Angel was very sick and he passed away. So it's just Claudio now. And also Acacio, who is a another slave in Don Timoteo's house that befriends Camila. And they all end up being together. And because they, they didn't have families or anything, Camila's like, you guys are coming with me back to San Fernando. And you're my family now. And it's oh, such a beautiful show of found family. So they go back to San Fernando, unfortunately, though. And this is a plot point that makes me so upset. Because at the beginning, I mentioned that Camila, Camila waited for Santiago for three years. Despite the fact that everyone told her to move on that he was dead, she held on to hope. Santiago is not able to do the same thing, and he has now married Camila's sister, Rita, who has been in love with him forever, but obviously he was in love with Camila, so he never like laid eyes on her, but he is now married to her sister, 
And she comes back and everything is complicated by this fortune she now has that also she never wanted. So El Antillano, like, hears about his, because he has a really close relationship with Lisaveta, his, um, his cousin. He doesn't know that Lisaveta is actually in love with him. Uh, so he goes to them when Don Timoteo dies. And, and they're like, Camila, she stole our money, so you have to help us get it back. So he escorts them to San Fernando trying to get the inheritance back. This, this inheritance, by the way, was technically his because Don Timoteo stole it from his father. So it's all messy. But when he goes back to San Fernando, he realizes that the woman that they're after is the woman on his ship that he fell in love with. And Camila also recognizes him as a pirate on the ship. So they have this like back and forth where they both know sides of each other that they don't reveal to anyone else. And at this point, Camila is very much still in love with Santiago, is heartbroken, but she will not betray her sister the way that her sister betrayed her. So even though Santiago tries to like be with her, Camila is like, nope, this is not going to happen. I'm not going to betray my sister. And in her heartbreak, though, she is able to find love in Ricardo. She ends up falling very deeply in love with him. They both end up getting married. And Camila becomes pregnant, unfortunately, because because Ricardo is still a pirate, he used a fake name to come to San Fernando and he married Camila under this fake name, so their marriage is actually not legal at all. Camila's family and Santiago find out about this and basically have him chased out, like they threaten him with prison and Ricardo sets off to clear his name so that he can come back and marry Camila for reals. They lock Camila up while pregnant because they know that she would run off with Ricardo. Ricardo obviously wanted to, her to come with him, but her family is not having it. So they lock her up. She has her baby, but it's really complicated. And what she doesn't know is that Lisabetta actually rigged it so that uh, the partera would steal her child, tell her that the child died, and Lisabetta would get to raise this child. So... Camila is devastated. She hates that her family has kept her from Ricardo and um, has caused what she, she believes is the death of her baby. It's this whole thing. And so we get towards like the end. And in the end, a lot of things happen. One, it's revealed that Santiago is actually Don Jorge's son. And so he's now gets thrust into high society and he kind of lets power get the best of him. Don Fernando... Uh, is is involved in all sorts of shady business dealings and Santiago ends up covering for him while they're thrust into this wealthy world. Rita, his wife, has a baby, but she also dies while going horseback riding. And so Santiago is now a free man. Camila is technically a free woman and he tries to get back with her. But Camila is no, is like no, because her heart is set with Ricardo, whom she believes will come back and be able to prove his innocence. During this time, Ricardo is able to like have a little bit of contact with Camila. There's like a moment where he is able to see her again very briefly. Camila tells him that the baby died, but... But the details of the birth and the way she says it, um, Ricardo's like, wait, someone's lying to you. And he sets off to investigate. And sure enough, he finds out that their child is still alive, finds out that Lisa Beta has kidnapped 
her child and his child realizes that Elisabetta has been lying to him throughout this whole time. And so he's able to rescue his son and also clear his name and go back to Camila and be reunited with her. Camila, of course, never lost faith that he would come back. So they are reunited, unfortunately, for Santiago. So this at this point, we're in the finale now, right? Don Jorge Mancera dies. Uh, and because Santiago was covering up for his father, he ends up in legal trouble. And he has like this redemption arc, which... I didn't I didn't like because I didn't like the character of Santiago and I thought that he didn't deserve it. But he goes through this redemption arc where he decides to devote his life to God and become a person of God. Uh, and so he leaves his daughter to Camila and Ricardo and they adopt the child. And they also adopt like two other kids. They're they're crazy. They they just wanted a big family. Camila, that's something she always said that she wanted a big family. Um, and Ricardo too. So they end up adopting a lot of babies because there's this whole plot lo- plot point where the plague hits. Um, there's quarantine, which s- hits so real post COVID nineteen era. And Ricardo ends up adopting this other child whose mother begged him to save her son so they adopt a bunch of kids and at the end camila and ricardo are reunited are able to live their love story they decide that they're gonna leave san fernando but before they leave they have like a party because they they got married again now legally so they got married legally they throw a big party and because el señor del pueblo is dead and has no heir a new señor del pueblo arrives and it's none other than claudio who has returned towards the beginning he had to leave because his cousin came to san fernando and they got into a scuffle and claudio ended up unaliving him so he had to run away but now he returns as el señor de san fernando who promises to be fair and kind to the people of san fernando and it's great um camila and um and Ricardo had two best friends, um, Mario and Jimena, who end up falling in love and end up getting together in the end as well. So they leave San Fernando aboard La Camila, which is Ricardo's boat that he named after her. So cute. So freaking cute. Uh, and um, there's actually this really lovely transition shot where Camila has a nephew and the nephew loves Ricardo. And he has always asked Ricardo, like, why don't you take me on your boat? You talk about your boat, but you've never taken me. And then at the end, um, he's like, Theo, like you're leaving and you never took me on your boat. And he's like, well, guess what? You're coming. So he like throws him up in the air. And when he catches him, they're on the ship. So it's this great transition shot. And they sail off, Ricardo and Camila, happy with their family. And it's beautiful. Ah, Okay, so now some things I liked. I obviously love this story. It's comfort vibes through and through, but I also think it's incredibly well done with very high production value and quality. Uh, The performances were incredible. It had great villains. I think every single character in this telenovela had a compelling character arc they start like the way it developed uh throughout the entire story was so every character had something had me rooting for them in a weird way except the villains there were a couple of villains that obviously i was like you all need to get the punishment you deserve but the arcs were incredibly well done everything from the music to the costumes to the way it was filmed was just i believe um it's carla estrada as at her height 
and I consider it one of Televisa's best telenovelas. I do want to shout out three actors in particular to, that to me stole the show. Obviously, Fernando Colunga and Susana Gonzalez were incredible. Eso es aparte, like, they were incredible, no competition, but there were three characters that completely stole the show from me. One was Juan Ferrara, who played a villain, but it was weird because the way he played um, El Señor del Pueblo was so sarcastic and just complex that there were various moments where I found him likable, even though he had done horrible things, but he just... It looked like he had so much fun with this character. He was sarcastic. There were moments where you saw that he cared for his wife and his daughter and his son. There were just, it was very complex and I really enjoyed the way Juan Ferrara played him. And then the other two go hand in hand and this is Marisol del Olmo and Alberto Estrella who played Camila and Ricardo's best friends who end up falling in love. They were so sarcastic. They were so funny. They were played kind of as comedic relief for a lot of moments because they provided levity to Camila and Ricardo's struggles but still they were so fun and they had so many moments that allowed themselves to be grounded in their characters they both had tragic pasts and there's a scene at the end where they decide to give their relationship a shot because they've been flirting with each other this whole time and they've kind of been both de alcahuetas so like wing woman and wing man to Ricardo and Camila and so because of that, they ended up interacting with each other a lot, but um, never truly allowing themselves to feel or to feel out the attraction that they clearly felt. But at the end, they both reveal the traumas that they're carrying and decide to give their love a shot. And it's, oh, it's so beautifully done. And that is it, y'all. This telenovela, oh, I could talk about it. A lot longer but I won't do that to you all because it would be me just rambling this is now the end of this of this episode of this of this video if you're watching on YouTube and uh, coming up I'm gonna be covering a different kind of telenovela it's on Netflix if you want to give it a watch uh, it is called El Dragón starring Sebastian Rulli as our titular character El Dragón and with that, we are now at the end. Uh, thank you all so much for listening, for watching, and I will see you all again next week. Take care, y'all.